This time on episode 484 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss the kids' WB show X-Men Evolutions, season one, episodes nine, Survival of the Fittest, episode 10, Shadowed Past, and episode 11, Grim Reminder. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. This show is recorded on Saturday, September 23rd, 2023. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Bayville wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. If you didn't already catch on to it, we like talking about Marvel. Because of blatant disregard of signs of danger. If you'd like to talk to us about blatant disregard of mortal danger to oneself, you can check us on our website, legendsofshield.com. If you are in danger, you could call us and leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871, but we probably won't hear it fast enough, so don't really do that. If you want to describe to us all the danger that you've recently been in after the fact, you can join us on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord and tell us all about it. And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network where we don't really get into danger. We're, We're usually in front of a screen. Well, today you get a wonderful surprise. It is a guys-only episode. The way this podcast started way back in the day in 2013, guys-only, yeah, unfortunately, you just get Chris and myself. There are worse things in the world. I don't know how many. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Michelle had something pop up so she couldn't be here, and Lauren is getting on a plane. She's leaving on a jet plane. When's she going to be back, though? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, that whole song. You know, I remember that song primarily because of Armageddon. I forgot that that was even in there. Yeah. That that song was part of my childhood because my mom would listen to the oldie station. And, Uh, you know, how kids are, I would just listen to whatever my parents listened to until about middle school. Yeah, so Ben Affleck was trying to serenade Liv Tyler as they were, you know, leaving on the rocket ship to go up to the asteroid and, you know, the, everybody chimed in. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. You don't it's remember that since I've seen that movie. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I really, you know, before the Martian, it was one of my favorite space movies to completely not relevant, not true, not, uh, it, 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 things don't happen that way, but I just enjoyed the crap out of that movie. Anyway, we are enjoying the crap out of X-Men Evolution, a little treasure on Disney Plus that we've been running down in the absence of other Marvel content. And we have the next three episodes for you today. Chris, are you ready to talk about it? I am so ready. We've had a couple of weeks off and I need to talk X-Men with people. Ooh, I got a thought about that too. X-Men Evolution, Episode 9, Survival of the Fittest, premiered on Kids WB on March 3rd, 2001. And Episode 10, Shadowed Past, premiered on Kids WB on March 31st, 2001. A little week's break in there. And Episode 11, Grim Reminder, premiered on Kids WB on April 14th, 2001. 
That is a few weeks in between each one, kind of like how we've had two weeks in between, actually three weeks, in between the last time we recorded and right now. Chris, I felt a little bit like a little kid that hadn't gotten my episodes in a couple of Saturday morning cartoons, and I felt a little lost going into the first one. But what was your thought? Were you excited and everything? I was so excited because the way Kaylee and I are watching these, we're not watching them until Friday. So they're fresh and I can have all my thoughts and I don't have to try to remember things to put in the show notes. So, you know, going these two weeks without being allowed to watch X-Men Evolution has been really, really hard. Thankfully, some other shows we've been watching put some episodes out, so we're fine there. But just getting to be with these characters again has been wonderful. Yeah. In the meantime, I finished Justified. I've finished Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy. I finished that. I have gotten some Futurama episodes in. I've gotten some Star Trek Lower Decks episodes in. So I've gotten some actual TV in, but I was a little lost at the beginning. You know, the guy on the bad team that can, you know, shake and bake, you know, he puts down his foot and things crumble and stuff like that. Oh, the one that's not Quake? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, who is that? Who? When, when did we get him as part of the team? It was, it was interesting seeing everybody just kind of together like that because there was no setup for it at all. They're just there that opening shot is our X-Men team and then it just kind of pans over and there's the Brotherhood team and what the heck. We'll get to that in a second but that was just coming back to it after a couple of weeks off right and I was like ah, what's going on well Michelle isn't here doing her epic reading of the IMDb descriptions of the episodes in lieu of her doing it we flipped a coin and I lost so I am going to read the description so here we go Survival of the fittest. While the X-Men and Brotherhood are at a survival training camp, Mystique releases the unstoppable juggernaut. But when the unstoppable mutant threatens both teams, the X-Men and Brotherhood must work together in order to stop him. Shadowed past. Rogue has nightmares based on memories she absorbed from Mystique, which reveal secrets about both her and Kurt's past. And grim reminder, Wolverine's tortured origin comes back to haunt him. In the Canadian wilderness, he runs into not only his arch-rival Sabretooth, but also the doctor who gave him his animanium skeleton, who still has insidious plans for him. Chris, I don't know about you, but whenever you use insidious in a IMDb description, I mean, that gets my attention right away. That is just an instant, oh crap, things are going down as much as Saturday morning cartoons let things go down. Right. All right. So Michelle's not with us, but she did regale us with some audio clips on what's going on. And as we march down our normal format, we are going to open with her first thoughts. Overall thought? So many tortured past it's true though for me though my thought was there are just so many secrets flying around when are they going to learn i think that this is action-packed it is still borrowing off of a lot of the previous tones of the x-men while creating its own story basically this is a different universe it's not the same universe but we're seeing some of the same things and in this opening episode i have some thoughts on it it spurred some thoughts from my childhood on it when we were talking about the camp but yeah so all three episodes were pretty on par with what we've seen and i think they've gotten better because the overall story is opening up you know chris you and i were complaining on well this is all getting the team together and now we're starting to see some stories from the x-men creating the world even though we're going back into some things like weapon x 
the way they're doing it though has been really good, especially in these three episodes. Like, yes, we finally have our team, but going back and it's not just a flashback for flashback's sake. It's a reason for the flashback on everything, which I really appreciate. I don't necessarily dislike, but stories that are just, Hey, let's have a flashback. Hey, remember the time this happened? Those get kind of boring. That just kind of screams to me like somebody needs to fill out an episode for some reason. But even taking a hand wavy reason, like Rogue having these dreams again. All right, cool. We have a real reason. We can have a real resolution and there's a real problem to solve. Right. So let's take these three episodes one by one. We'll start with Survival of the Fittest. Michelle has some thoughts to open up with. You want to hear them? I do. I mean, we could say no, and she would have no say at all. Yeah, but then we'd have to deal with her when she comes back, and she might get mad at us. Yeah, mad Michelle is not a good Michelle. So here we go. Survival of the fittest. We finally see the jerk Scott can be, and I was disappointed Juggernaut didn't arrive by Little Yellow Taxi. Yes! I was so thinking of that, especially when he started knocking around cop cars. I'm like, where's the yellow taxi? Where's the yellow taxi? They could have just had him knock over a yellow taxi. That would have been great. And yellow taxis are a thing in real life, so you don't have to worry about any kind of copyright issues with that. Right. But what we're referring to is in X-Men 92 when Juggernaut shows up, he gets into a, a yellow taxi and he's so big it looks like a little kit car and he's driving around without the roof and stuff like that. That's what we're referring to. I wonder if he's that big, how he could mash down the accelerator pedal because, you know, his foot, if it's that big, you're mashing down both the accelerator and the brake pedal at the same time. So you're going nowhere. But anyway, the visual was really cool, like with him going around in a little kick car. And unfortunately, we didn't get it in this one. Also, the mutant that I was talking about that just joined the team out of nowhere, I think, is Avalanche. I don't remember Avalanche in a previous episode. He was there at like one of he was one of the first um Brotherhood mutants. He was the one that Kitty was talking to in the hallway when she fell out through the locker, and also the one that was mostly convincing her to go break into the principal's office to get test answers. Right. Okay, so he has been around. I just didn't remember his origin. He's just there. And I don't know about you, but getting all these kids, what kind of danger is Professor X actually sending these kids into? Because he knows they're going to be out in the wilderness without any adult supervision. There's one guy, right? And they're going to be all over this mountain. So this one guy is not going to be anywhere near them. And these teams have superpowers and they're going after each other. Is this just, let's see how you guys work out in the world or... Is he comfortable enough that no harm's going to come to them? And that seems like a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. I got to agree with you there. Like he gave them the choice of wilderness survival training, either at this camp or with Wolverine. And don't know why you would let them go off. It's, kind of hand waved as a school trip i don't know any schools that would send kids off to a wilderness survival camp like this like i went to a few things and like they would take us on the basic stuff you know ropes course and rafting type stuff but it was always really well adult supervised really well like we're going to go and make sure you know what you're getting into Definitely not two opposing superpowered teams who one of them just wants to wipe the other off the face of the earth. And he didn't even tell them not to use their powers out there. He just hoped that they would make that decision for themselves. That's I am. Oh, Charles Xavier, you are not a fit parent right now. I watched heroes. What teenager that discovers their power is not going to use it. It's not going to happen. Save the cheerleader, save the world. They're going to use their powers. And all right. So Gene is being the responsible one. Let's back that up a little bit. Scott gets to be the leader of everybody at this camp 
because his grades are good. Well, that's not too far off in reality. Even at the Air Force Academy, even though your class ranking was divided into three things, your academic, which was by far the largest percentage, I want to say 70%, I can't remember exactly what it was when I went there. So academics, your military scores as well, because military, you you do get graded on the military side of things. And then athletics, in which is a combination of like sports teams that you're in, plus intramurals, plus the grades for physical ed. So those are the three pillars that your class ranking is dependent upon. And the largest one is academic. So I can kind of see that. But at the same time, if you are a nerd and you know everything, but you can't climb the mountain at all, what kind, what use are you going to be to your team? That's the crazy part here to me. Like, it's such a big team, such like Scott got good grades and like, really, who's going to sit there and tell me that Scott got better grades than Gene? I think you're full of crap if that's the way you're thinking. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you there that Gene probably got better grades unless you count like gym class in there and Gene might not have scored an A, maybe a B in that class and Scott would have gotten an A. It's classes like that. You know, the valedictorians, they make a specific path through school so that they don't get downgraded. First of all, if you're in an honors program and you take a non-honors class and you're in a school that grades differently between an honors class and a non-honors class, so an honors class, an A could be 5.0, a B could be accelerated, a B in an honors class could be considered a 4.5. So that is above an A, which you would get in a regular class, which would be a 4.0. There are schools that do stuff like that. so valedictorians try to take the path of the A's or the honors classes, the 5.0s as much as they can and minimize the total number of non-honors classes like gym class, art class, band class, that sort of stuff, right? And I can kind of see that possibility in here, but at the same time, I get the sense that if Lauren and Michelle were here right now, they would be yelling at us like, no, that's just pistachio me. That's the, the guy needs to be the leader and everything. I agree. Gene should have been the leader. I mean, and they could have come up with so many other reasons for Scott to be the leader. Just, I mean, really, they could have just said vote. And that the, the entire, there's more people on the X-Men team than on the Brotherhood team. So if they all vote for Scott and the Brotherhood team all votes for their guy, then Scott wins. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, you have Mystique trying to get into Cerebro. I have all sorts of things that um, I have questions about. Like, is Cerebro just the helmet? Because the helmet was destroyed, but isn't Cerebro a computer? Yeah, but also, would Mystique know how to remake the helmet if it ever somehow gets destroyed? So I can understand her getting annoyed at that when it does actually get destroyed. Okay. Well, anyway, she frees Mr. Kane, who happens to be Xavier's brother, who happens to be Juggernaut, a mutant. And uh, Juggernaut doesn't even want to get on the provided transportation. He just wants to stomp around the countryside. I mean, he's been trapped, though, for however many years, not being able to move. I can understand. I know what I moved at one point where my desk was at work a few years ago and I went from a sitting down all day every day because that's just the only way I could do it to one where which was a good stand-up height but there were also chairs there at a good height to go and like the first two weeks I just stood up the whole time because I could and it was nice to not sit down so I can understand juggernaut wanting to go and actually you know do something and not just ride on a plane. Just stretch your legs a little bit. Get a little yoga in, you know? I mean, he's been sitting there in that liquid the entire time, you know? Is it a back to tank? It had to be something like that because somehow he's alive and his muscles haven't atrophied. 
For those that don't know what I just did, I crossed some major streams into Star Wars. Because I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt, Star Wars hat, I felt the need to inject a little Star Wars back to tank in there. But yeah, I have no idea what's in that tank. Lauren would. I would love to hear what's in those suspended tanks. But Juggernaut's in there, he stomps, and he gets to the X-Mansion. And I'm kind of surprised he kind of knew where he was going, or maybe he just stomped around enough until he actually found his way to Bayville. I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of let that part of it go. I mean, that's the main reason why I would have gone with Mystique if I were Juggernaut, or at least, you know, let her fly and follow the plane from the ground. So you're Professor Xavier, and you sent Storm out in the Blackbird to put a fog everywhere that he is so that he doesn't interact with any other humans. Why didn't she just freeze him you know with a big ice storm why didn't she do that that would have been just too easy you know we don't need an eight minute episode i don't know you could throw that many more minutes of commercials in oh that is true and this was the early 2000s so we were getting a lot of commercials and not as bad as the 80s but pretty close there right Anyway, you have Scott and his team, and you have the the bad guys and their team, and they said, yeah, we're not going to use our powers, but then everybody started to use their powers, and Gene and Scott get in an argument about using powers, and, you know, I think it's admirable that they didn't want to use powers, but they did. I have a question. So, they get to the top, and they get the... Jet coming by with Storm saying, you know, Professor Xavier is in trouble. We need your help. How did that translate into they all decide to go and they all decide to take a picture together with the flight? How did how did that little thing happen? Did Mystique send a message too? I don't understand. Storm. Okay, so Storm went through and did her like oh, Professor Xavier, we have to help him, everything. It's juggernauts. Oh yeah, Mystique is also there. So Storm did say something about it. It, it was very much like a afterthought with it. But I guess that was enough to get the Brotherhood team to go with them over to the mansion. I guess. And then they all do go over to the mansion and they all defeat Juggernaut. They get the helmet off and Xavier is able to put his brother to sleep. It's a very sad, sad moment. But what do you do in that situation? There are some people that just kind of, I don't want to say locked up, but they have to be watched with that much security. Also seems like the wrong word there but that much scrutiny with everything because they're either a danger to themselves or a danger to society at large. And I mean, no, I don't think that juggernaut probably deserves to be locked up like this. I think a lot of this with him is people just kind of projecting the idea that he's evil and then him thinking, okay, if the world is seeing me like that anyway, they're going to treat me like that anyway. Why not just be like that? Where would be a good place to send Juggernaut that's not in jail? The Savage Land? You're going to send him to the game playing planet? He'd probably be pretty popular over there. He, Oh, God. He would love it with Mojo. Um, maybe team him up with Arcade and just have him help set up murder world situations for people. Yeah. I think that might be a good use of his talents, but I don't know if he'd be comfortable there. Yeah, but he'd get to to help destroy his brother over and over and over. I think he'd like. Well, that might fuel his rage to the point that the next time he sees his brother, it's all going to be over. You know. Yeah, it's that fine line between building yourself up for it and getting super hyped up and getting it all out of your system. At the end of the day, you have the Brotherhood and the X Men. I don't know if I really want to call them X-Men because they're like teens, like teen X-Men or whatever, X-teens. So you have the X-teens in the Brotherhood and they go their separate ways. You know, Mystique is saved, Professor Xavier is saved, and they don't want to do this sleepover. We need to, you know, blow this popsicle stand and, and leave. And, and they do. 
I'm kind of surprised they don't pilfer anything on their way out. Maybe they do, and we just don't see it, but then then they leave. It's kind of a Scooby-Doo ending. Yeah, it's like, okay, we've all done our thing. We're just going to leave. And they just let them walk out through the mansion, you know, get their little surveillance on the way out, if nothing else. Now that you see the evidence that Mystique didn't even know what the mansion was like. is popping through the window. Oh, I thought this would have been more impressive. Yeah, it's, I mean, we get more of a mystique just in the, these three episodes, too. With this episode, it took me back to my childhood. You know, 1800s SP, right? And I, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of cartoons. One of the cartoons that was on a lot was the Peanuts, and especially Saturday afternoons, where you had the Peanuts specials that would be on, like, Race for Your Life. Charlie Brown, did you ever see that? Not that one, but I've seen other ones. This reminded me so much because of the wilderness survivalist of race for your life, Charlie Brown. I don't know what did it, but it was smack right into race for your life, Charlie Brown. It wasn't necessarily like the good team and the bad team, like the brotherhood and the X teens. It was more of everybody's just competing against each other. And it it wasn't even like the eighties, bad teens and good teens sort of thing. It it was just everybody's trying just to win. So it's race for your life, Charlie Brown. And he had the wilderness working against him and that sort of stuff. And of course he had Snoopy uh, and Woodstock just uh, really make a do with everything and and live in the the cool life, right? Like the fawns. Snoopy was very much like the fawns in race for your life, Charlie Brown. Anyway, this reminded me of that. I don't know if it reminded anybody else of it, but it definitely reminded me of it. And uh, Peanuts, they, you take that episode, you throw it into X-Men Evolution, and this is what you get. That was the sort of thing that I was thinking. And probably I've lost every single one of our listeners that's under the age of 70. Okay. All right. Is that all you got to say about Survival of the Fittest? Yeah. That pretty much wraps everything up there. You know, use your powers or don't. All right, Michelle, what do you got to say about Shadowed Past? Shadowed Past. More adults keeping secrets. The adoption part, part of it was uncomfortable for me because of the forced, everyone wants to know who their birth parents are. This isn't exactly the case. I'm not adopted, but my father is. He got in touch with his birth parents and he wanted me to have a relationship with them, but I did not. Him finding his adoptive parents, his biological parents, is his journey. The people I grew up seeing as my grandparents are my grandparents. They're not my adopted grandparents, they're my grandparents. So be careful when discussing adoption, whether it's in real life or a cartoon. Good points, Michelle. Now, Chris, with Shadowed Past here, we start to see a lot of delicious story that is starting to poke out some really traditional, delicious X-Men story. Yeah, when you look in here, you see specifically what I hope you're going for, because this is what I'm going to talk about anyway, is where did Kurt come from? And no, we don't get the comics accurate pitchfork wielding town coming after him. Instead, we get Magneto somehow doing some kind of experiment type thing, I think. They don't really show us, which I think is a good move. Kind of like in all these old horror movies. They would just show you kind of the results of what happened, but not how it got there. So let your imagination pick everything out. I don't know what, since I have not seen this, and I don't know if we revisit the moment or not, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm thinking it was more of, since he was Mystique's son, that Magneto was just trying to unlock his powers early, but it could have been enhancing the powers to 
I don't know, but I think it was just trying to unlock it early and then maybe it happened. So, okay, what do you do with a kid that's a mutant? Because normally in mutant stories, the powers manifest in your teen years. And the thing with Kurt, too, is he was born looking the way he looks anyway with his tail and his blue fur and everything. So Was he? At least in the comics. Yeah, you don't know that in this particular rendition, but okay, fair. That's the traditional thing of Kurt. I'm kind of rolling through this show as assuming the comics things are still the way it is until I'm shown otherwise. And I think we're going to be shown otherwise a lot. Uh, Kurt must float. I mean, he's just dropped into that river and he floats for quite some time and doesn't sink. So, yeah, Kurt's got some buoyancy to him. I was just waiting for his first teleportation act to happen there. Because what you have here is Mystique is getting chased by Magneto and some wolves because wolves and Magneto just go together perfectly. And she's going across a rope bridge, you know, your traditional old boards rope. I don't know how this thing is still active and able to work kind of bridge. And as the wolves and Magneto are going at her, she accidentally throws Kurt over the side of the bridge, over her shoulder, like it's salt when she had just spilled salt, trying to keep the devil away. And Kurt just falls down this entire canyon into a river. And I mean, just the impact there should be enough to hurt him, possibly kill him, but you know, it's Saturday morning cartoon. Of course, he's going to be fine. You can just hit the water. Like, I don't know much about physics, but I do know that belly flops hurt worse than dives. And he definitely looked like he took a belly flop onto that water. Yeah. Even if the swaddling clothes, the blankets and everything were Kevlar, you still have the impact that's spread across the, the body there. So yeah, physics. I don't know how long the drop was. I know you could probably survive like maybe even a 10 meter drop. But still, if you drop from 10 meters and you hit the water incorrectly, it's going to hurt. Whether you're an adult or a kid, absolutely. That's something that I had worried about here. But he does survive. He floats down the stream and some people pick him up. And that's his adoptive parents, basically. I want to say transition a little bit and talk about Wolverine. Last episode in this episode, I'm, I'm actually impressed at Wolverine last episode in this episode. He's making smart decisions. Of course, he's he's angry uh, and he gets duped and, of course, well, fights and Wolverine stuff happens to Wolverine. But because of his position as the adult in the mansion and the school right now with all the teens, he's actually a responsible one. I mean, like him and Storm are are the responsible leaders here. And it's actually coming across well on screen. Storm being a responsible leader just makes perfect sense because that's just how she is. Wolverine being a responsible leader is a bit of a surprise. Like he definitely has the capability to do it, but it it doesn't seem like it's something that he tends to wholeheartedly accept and embrace the way he is in here. He's always got his, younger people that he's like kind of willing to be responsible for, but that's more of a one-on-one situation in the comics, not as an entire team from what I've seen. So Xavier sends Wolverine off to the castle to find out some information and the castle gets destroyed. It was a lab. I believe it was Magneto's lab that he was experimenting on Kurt about or doing whatever with Kurt. Anyway, the castle is destroyed and they have no further answers, but they do have a lot of answers into the fact that Mystique is now confirmed through Professor Xavier's search of the memories to be Kurt's mom, you know, their son and mother. And that is a secret, but there's more behind it. And they intentionally are keeping both Rogue and Kurt out of the loop with all those decisions. I mean, they have that very heartfelt decision in Xavier's office where you have Gene and Scott on the couch, Wolverine's there and professor Xavier. And they just decide, no, Kurt's not ready to know all this truth. And they're like, this sucks that we can't tell him, but it's best not to tell him. And even rogue hits him with, uh, I think Xavier is 
got more information, but you're not ready for it, or it's not good for you to know or something like that. And they just accept that. And this is going to bite everybody in the rear end. Eventually. I think if this was an adult show, it would definitely be a gotcha moment sort of thing that's coming. But yeah, it's, it was, it was a very serious twinge on this whole thing. Yeah. And I don't have anybody in real life that I know who has experience with adoption from any side of it, but I do have some friends online from basically every angle of it. And I don't know. I mean, just hearing their stories of everything, it's a tough thing because Xavier could be right. And, you know, maybe you don't want to tell hurt that his mother is the evil principal of the school who's trying to kill them all but maybe you do and really it's kind of hurts decision anyway i think when he wants to know things but also how can he tell them he's ready to know things when he doesn't know that they know the thing this is something that you can actually use. If you tell Kurt that his mom is his mom, his mystique is his mom, then maybe he knows he can get away with a little bit more with her. Like she won't, she won't kill him sort of thing. So he doesn't have to worry about she killing him or her killing him. And it, it can be a benefit. It can be switched and used. Also as a kid, you're like, Oh, she's my mom. Maybe that she's not so bad. That sort of thing. So I don't know. It could be a double-edged sword. They also seem to be playing it a little bit like Mystique wasn't sure that Hurt was the one who was her son. So there's a little bit of surprise there, too. All right, Chris, you got anything else on Shadow Pass? Mostly that when they were all in the room after Rogue woke up screaming from her dream, First off, that's very sweet that everybody woke up and came to see if she was okay. I would never do that, but that's because I sleep through everything, so I never would have hurt her. But Charles Xavier, what are you doing up at presumably two or three in the morning, listening throughout the entire mansion to know what the kids are up to? Because from my experience... Anything that they're doing at two or three in the morning is not something that you would want to hear and is probably not allowed on Saturday morning cartoons. You know, he's the head of the school. He has a lot on his plate during the daytime and he doesn't have a lot of time to kick back. So I think what was happening is he was binging the latest series on Disney Plus for Star Wars. I think that's what I mean, it happens to all of us, you know, just kept on playing one episode after the other and then all of a sudden it's three o'clock in the morning you're like i have to go to work tomorrow maybe i should go to sleep and if you're like professor xavier you're like i could just use my mind powers to stay awake for another day so i'm just going to roll into another episode i think that's what was going on all right i'll roll with that okay (laughs) it's the less creepy reading of it i suppose so yes And the final episode, we're going to be talking about Grim Reminder. Michelle, what did you think about this one? Grim Reminder. Forget about the fight with Sabretooth and Wolverine. We need to discuss Kitty. Kitty goes through the earth, trees, rock, and finally that computer. Just how powerful can this girl become? The possibilities are endless did i mention my favorite one my favorite character in this was kate pride have i said that before i don't remember if you've said those exact words but i was definitely getting that feeling from you yeah kate pride and she's called kitty pride in this she's transitioned in the comics at least recently to kate pride and i will go with that moniker kate pride and yeah she's my favorite character as she's transitioning through these objects, we've all sorts of questions like where is the gravity in the situation? Like if she's passing through something, she's also passing down and stuff like that. But yeah, I would imagine the more she can pass through things, the more she can interface with molecules and the more powerful that she can actually become. I completely understand where that is, but I have no idea 
how far this cartoon is going to take with her. But Shadow Cat, as she is introduced in the intro, that's the title, Shadow Cat, I have no idea where she is going. And we still, I think, Chris, do not know where that name comes from because she's never been called Shadow Cat. It's weird. Like, I have to think that this is just them saying, all right, this is what she is in the comics now. With now being the important word there, because she changes code names a lot. It's just kind of a thing. And did you ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? No, it's one thing that, well, it's one of many things that I haven't watched. Well, you should. But she really reminds me of Katara in there, because Katara is a waterbender. And then at one point, she's out in the world. And somebody teaches her how to essentially bend the water in people's blood and control people. And so it's just, it's a giant leap in what she's able to do. And Shadow Cat Kate Kitty here being able to go completely inside of something and destroy it from the inside really reminds me of that because that is that should be a giant game changer when she can finally get that down and we'll see how far this show is willing to take it this episode the way it was ran the voiceover basically with kate pride writing a letter to her parents I think was a wonderful way to go about a narrative style storytelling of the X-Men and getting a sense of what goes on. Uh, This is the first time I really see roommates and I don't know if this has really happened before or not. Most of the rooms I've seen up to date is just singular one person to a room, but the place is only so big. So I guess everybody having a roommate might, you know, make sense eventually. The thing that I'm scratching my head over is all these kids are sharing one bathroom. That's dangerous. It's bad enough sharing a bathroom with my wife sometimes. Do you just have one bathroom in your house? No, we have two, but recently one of the toilets is messing up. So it was just basically out of commission for a week or two while we had time to go get the stuff to fix it. Yeah, I have four bedrooms in, or four bathrooms in my house, which uh, it helps, you know, two are halves, but it helps a lot when you're trying to distribute the, the need to use the restroom along the way. And I just can't imagine that sort of thing. Even in college, yes, you had a shared communal bathroom, but you had, it was big enough. It was, it wasn't just like your standard one sink, one bath and one toilet. It was many different stalls of showers and toilets and sinks and stuff like that so you can cycle a lot of people through but i just can't imagine running a house as much as active as these kids are into their training and into all the stress that they go into one bathroom just i mean professor xavier pay a contractor to come in and retrofit the dang place to put a bathroom in each one of these rooms you know to do an ensuite that's what you need to do. One bathroom for all these kids is not going to work, especially as they get older in just a year or two. They are going to demand their privacy. One of the things that Kate Pride was worried about in this episode, and she just wanted to find a place to go to. Now, I know it was kind of a plot thing to get her aboard the Blackbird as Logan took it somewhere, but you know, I still think that there's places other places you can go and you just respect each other's privacy you just respect the fact that not everybody wants to be all together all at the same time the roommate thing was also something kaylee picked up on because like she looked at it and first off why are these two the only ones that we see having roommates and also wouldn't you kind of almost by necessity want rogue to have her own room since she can't have skin to skin contact with anybody. Like what happens with there's a sleepwalking situation or something. I got, I got, I got, remember the episode where they dance together. Mm-hmm. So ever since then they're best buds and they wanted to room together. 
Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, got a little bit of special relationship going on between the two of them. They were in the play together, they danced together out in the woods, and yeah, I, I could see them saying, hey, let's room up together. So yeah, I could see that. And uh, the, the more adult in me has other things in mind, but since it's a kid show, we won't go there. Okay, the skin-to-skin content thing, yeah, the just no matter how you slice it, it was dangerous for Rogue to be in a room with anybody else. Of all the people, you know, especially Kitty with her being able to face through things, you have two people who could very easily make an accidental skin-to-skin contact happen. Like, you probably should split them up. Well, something else you should also split up is chips in heads and heads, because that's never good. Especially if they're salt and vinegar chips, because those are the worst chips in the entire world, and I don't want them anywhere near me, especially my head. Indeed. So you got Logan going off into the Weapon X storyline, basically, and him going to see the evil doctor. And you've got the doctor basically taking the brunt of Logan's anger because Logan's able to fight through it in the end, thanks to his friends that are along for the ride, whether they want to or not, Nightcrawler and Kitty. Yes, Logan going out there, being able to completely just work around Hans von Bad Guy and his Weapon X stuff. I was a little bit sad that we didn't see evidence of more people going through Weapon X. Not even specifically Deadpool, just other people, because we know that Weapon X was full of people, and it, it they really made it look like it was just a Logan thing. Yeah, and they did make it look almost like a Logan thing in X-Men 92 as well. So maybe they just wanted to continue that motif. I don't know. Anyway, we get the whole Weapon X thing. The chip comes out of his head at the end. And what I know about brain surgery, that's pretty dangerous. So I have a few questions. Can you do surgery on Wolverine? Because he instantly heals. So as soon as you make a suture cut, it's going to be healing. How can you do surgery on Wolverine? Um, I don't know if we've seen how quick his healing is in this universe. I know that he is able to get hurt in the comics. He has had times where he has been resurrected from drops of his blood and equally silly things like that. So it's not like a power man situation where they literally can't cut him open. Like in the Netflix series that we saw, right? Right, where they had to give him a shot through the eye because that was the only place that they could get the needle through. Right. And that's not Wolverine. That was... Right, that was Luke Cage Power Man. Yeah. So, that's one thing. And the other thing is, I don't care what your healing powers are. If you get brain surgery, that's going to hurt. That's all sorts of stuff that goes wrong there. Because there's memories that are destroyed because you're actually connect, uh, disconnecting the synopsis. You have to deal with the possibility of stroke and that sort of stuff. So your head hurts for a while and you have phantom issues, whether it's dreams or whatever, of something going wrong. You wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. It's very similar to a stroke of the, the effects that happens there. And I guess Wolverine has a lot of stuff he's been through, whatever, but they kind of almost played off with him and it's it's i just want to say brain surgery is a big deal and i'm not just saying that because i'm a rocket scientist i'm just saying it because i've seen it in people brain surgery is huge brains are fascinating and just the tiniest little things that can mess them up is scary but also really interesting and all it takes is tugging on the chip a little bit too hard and kind of stretching something out and all of a sudden you have Sabretooth 2.0 instead of Wolverine. Indeed. So you have anything else to say about the episode? I just really love that Kitty 
just going into the computer and breaking it the way she did, just going in there, destroying the machine. This is prime time for her to be getting into Rage Against the Machine music because she has that special connection to it. Indeed. So I'm going to start overall thoughts with Michelle. Final thoughts. I miss the Magneto as someone we could see has a point. I am not a fan of this Mr. Sinister being in the dark Magneto. Also, I've noticed this show is very, this is the good people. This is the bad people. There is no nuance, unlike the original animated series, where there were layers and references to things past and how we could see the commentary on society now. This is more of a kid's show than the original, and I find that interesting. It's really weird how true that is, though. Because X-Men 92 was very clearly made for kids, but you get all this nuance. And X-Men Evolution was made for older people, like teens, tweens, that kind of age group, at least that kind of age group in a way, if not older. And it's just so black and white with everything. And I see that with a lot of kids now wanting to see the world in a lot of black and white and you know you did a horrible thing 20 years ago so now you're a horrible person and there's nothing we can do about it and there's there's just no saving anybody in this show except for rogue because she was always intended to be a good guy but the fact that she is the only one in there it's like we're starting to get a little bit of it with mystique maybe and magneto he's been in the shadows long enough that the fact that he has only been in the shadows i think means there's a chance for him but everybody else is so clearly on whatever side that they're on this came out the year after the X-Men movie. I think we talked about it before. And I think you're building upon the X-Men 92 cartoon. You're building upon the actual live action movie that came out in 2000. And you're trying to relate stories that younger people can relate to. I actually admire a little bit of the overall thoughts of what they're trying to do. The strategic vision of getting a new generation interested in X-Men so that when they grow up, they can go see these more adult movies sort of thing. But at the same time, you still need to maintain that Saturday morning cartoon-ness. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind from Star Wars, since we've used that analogy a few times, is the droid cartoon where you had C-3PO and R2-D2, right? It's debatable of whether that was canon or not, but you had this funky thing spunky little droid cartoon running around there to get littler kids interacting in it. And we see it today on Disney plus when you're talking some of the really younger things that we elected not to review for this, just because it was too young uh, for this show for legends of shield. So I can kind of see it a little bit at the same time. I wonder how much you need to maintain your continuity in universe. There's creative license. There's making something towards a certain age group, but then there's still, how does this fit into the overall feel? I guarantee you they weren't thinking about that back then, but I guarantee you now when you have kids that have grown up into these fandoms that have created these gigantic wikis and this gigantic knowledge base in their head, of not only what's going on in the comics, but what's going on in all the TVs and the movies. Then you're thinking back to, okay, I get this story, but what is actually canon in what I'm looking at right now? And for us, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So what is canon on the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? We don't know yet because Disney 
just bought the rights to these characters a few years ago, and we haven't seen too much of them. We've seen Miss Marvel. We've seen in uh, Doctor Strange. We've seen uh, Xavier, right? Uh, so we have these little bits and pieces, but we don't have the whole thing. We don't have Logan. We don't have Deadpool. We don't have Cyclops or Jean or any of that. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what they take and go forward with and what they pick up and what's considered canon or not. I know Star Wars has the same issue, right? Because the whole Legends thing where you had all these books that were created and then all of a sudden, nah, they're they're not canon anymore. Now they're borrowing from those stories, but they're not going forward with this was canon at the time. You see it in Andor, you see it in Ahsoka, you see it in all these new series that are out on Disney Plus that they're borrowing from all these past legend stories, but it's not necessarily true. And I could go into a rant on that, but I'm not going to. So yeah, I get it, but We'll just take this ride as we go, Chris. This is the first time you're watching it, right? Oh, yeah. This is, and it's the first time Kaylee's watching it, too. So getting that double first-person experience as I'm watching it has been great. All right. So are you ready to talk about next time? Let's talk about next time. Let's talk about next time because we don't have 100% an answer for you, our listener, on what's going to happen next time. We're of two minds. One. Do we review Loki season one? I think that's predominantly what we're thinking. Or do we go back and to we continue the watch here with season one, episode 12 and 13, The Cauldron, part one and two. So we don't know which one we're going to go with, but we think we're going to go with one or the other. Either way, we encourage you to watch the next two episodes of X-Men Evolution, and we encourage you to get familiar again with Loki because Loki season two is coming October 5th. I am so excited for that. And that, you know, kind of brought down a little bit by the strikes happening kind of alongside it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Trying to stay legal with the WGA strike and the SAG strike. So acknowledging that as of this recording, those strikes are still ongoing. And uh, I, I'll speak for everybody. We support them. We're, we're good with the unions. We're good. Fully 1,000% behind what they're doing. In some ways, I think they should be asking for even more things. But, you know, you, you got you know, to compromise there. Yeah, right. Exactly. Plus, we want to have Lauren here when we can. Yeah. All right, Chris, what are we going to do now? I think we need to pull out our laptops and start writing an email to our parents. Let us know what's going on, because we probably haven't done that recently enough. Thanks, everybody, for staying with us and going through about an hour of discussion on X-Men Evolution. We really appreciate you. We want to know what you think both about the show and about X-Men Evolution. Let us know. And as, since we're coming into it, I'll just throw in Loki. We will be covering it without Lauren as we continue. So thank you very much for staying with us. We really appreciate you downloading the show and listening to it and watching it on YouTube. We really appreciate it. And, and let us know what you think about it. Just say hi. Hey, hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Michelle, looking forward to you back next time. Hey, Lauren, have a nice trip. We'll see you again after Loki. Those sorts of things. We want to hear it. Yes, all of our listeners are just wonderful because there are so many places you could be deciding to listen to so many other shows and you're deciding to listen to us. And that, that just makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside because now you're kind of like our friend. And all of our friends who we've shared links to and said, hey, you should listen to this and then never say anything to us about it. Say something to us about it, because if we know who you are, then we feel double extra fuzzy. And if we don't know who you are, then talk to us so that eventually we will know who you are. And so we can get that extra fuzzies. Yeah, right. So one thing is to tell your friends about the show and say, hey, I th we think you might like this. I'll start. I will go into it first. So I am doing another show 
It is a rewatch of Warehouse 13, and I am doing it with a couple of people outside the network, but we're having a little fun along the way. So we've got that going on. Chris, you want to share something? And I also have Play Comics, which I realized yesterday has not put out a new episode in a month, and that is horrible. I know it it's kind of snuck up on me, but I am mostly through finishing editing up an episode as we're recording this, which depending on how fast SP edits compared to how fast I finish editing could mean a new episode is out already. Yeah, you'll probably beat me, but we'll see. Anyway, that's it for this week. We will see everybody next week. I promise we'll be back. I'm back from vacation. We're going to go. We're, we're doing this. We're, we're keep doing the thing, Chris. We're doing the thing. We should. Everybody go onto our social medias and say whether I should wear a blue shirt or a dark shirt. Hmm. I'll think about it. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Yeah, it's amazing what they can get from biometrics these days. You're giving away a ton every time you touch anything that's got any sort of biometric or accelerometer or GPS tracker with you. And they can combine it with certain things like my uh, daughter's boyfriend works for a tracking company that services Kroger and the Kroger companies. And it's, it's out in the open what they track because you go to their website and you're like, oh my God, they determine where you are in the store just by what you purchase because they know where it is on the shelves. So they know if you're going up and down the aisles or you're just going around the outside and they, with a phone, if you have the app and you've said you can use my data, they will actually track you through the store and find out what's the best path for them to lay out stuff, but they're tracking you through the store, right? And it's not just Kroger. Yeah, they all do it. They all do it, right? Like Home Depot. You know, you go to Home Depot and you bring up the map and like, okay, where is this thing? And they say, well, you you need to tell us uh, your location on your phone so we can show you where you are in the store. And you click OK. And boom, they've got you and wherever you are within Home Depot. So after you check out, they can go back and do forensics and say, okay, they were doing such and such a project and they were having problems since they were going back and forth on this one thing. And, you know, over time, they consolidate all that into big data and then they create it. But they also know you. So they sell your data, the fact that you're doing a project to, a realtor say, it looks like this person is getting ready to sell their house. And so the realtors start contacting you and stuff like that. So, yeah. They've been, uh, the realtor has been getting with us pretty much since we moved in, trying to get them to sell us, sell them a house down the street that we definitely do not own. (laughs) You got to be coming up on your one year anniversary or is it two years? Oh, when did what if come out? Well, I can find out really quick. Legends of Shield.libson.com. What if? Boom. Uh, yeah, it was August 15th, 2021. So that's two years. You've been on the show for two years as a permanent host. 21, really?
doesn't seem like that long ago. Okay, what we're doing in August of 22, we were doing She-Hulk. What were we doing in September of 22? We were doing She-Hulk, of course. When was Hawkeye? That was December of 21. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. We were up way too late last night, so I woke up like 9.30. <laughs> were you doing marital adult things? Yeah, putting away laundry. <laughs> Chris? Yep. Really hope Michelle's back next week. Why? I want. I, I. I think the show's much better with her. That yeah, that is true. Plus, uh, I'm saving the Bulgogi story for when she's back. Oh, I wanted it. Uh, next week, we get a Chris story. Bye, everyone. Bye. Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2023.